Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. March 20th, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We have the most up-to-date information dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Folks, it is uh, just unbelievable what's going on. Uh, we now have a third state that's on complete shutdown. We'll tell you all about it. Retired General Lloyd Austin, four-star. Uh, he knows what it's like to send troops in command when it comes to fighting terrorism. 
how would the military be conducting uh, this national security issue? And that's exactly what this is. We're going to look forward to that interview with him. Also, folks, uh, we'll have uh, how long is pandemic going to last? The answer is in understanding how the virus actually works. We'll talk about that with a biological scientist. Also, with millions of people working low-wage jobs, how do they protect the money they have in these uncertain times? So we've got a full show for you, trying to bring you as much information as possible. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Today, there are 16,026 cases of COVID-19 in all 50 states and three U.S. territories. At least 213 patients with the virus have died. Folks, this thing uh, is continuing. The Trump administration continues to say that more tests are being made available, but now we keep getting word from a number of hospitals that they are running out of masks. They're running out of gowns. Some say uh, that you have uh, one hospital CEO, say one company is trying to charge them $7 per mask when they normally cost 58 since yesterday, Donald Trump stood before the cameras and talked about uh, what he said was a uh, promising drug to fight coronavirus, but then he said the FDA approved it, but then the FDA had announced last night, no, it has not been approved. It's still going through testing. Lots of conflicting statements coming out in today's news conference. Here's some of it. We've also temporarily waived all interest on federally held student loans. They'll be very happy to hear that. And I've instructed them to take that action immediately. And today, Secretary DeVos has directed federal lenders to allow borrowers to suspend their student loans and loan payments without penalty for at least the next 60 days. And if we need more, we'll extend that period of time. Borrowers should contact their lenders, but we've given them very strong instructions. So we've uh, temporarily waived all interest on federally held student loans. All right, folks, also the issue came up when it came to testing and the conflicting information that we keep hearing. Here's Dr. Fauci uh, answering that question. Go to my iPad. When will every American who needs a test get a test and, and be able to get a test? And why not um, have medical equipment being shipped right now to hospitals who need well, a test? You're hearing very positive things about testing. And just so you understand, we don't want every American to go out and get a test. 350 million people. We don't want that. We want people that are syst that, that have a problem, that have a, a problem with they, they're sneezing, they're sniffling, they don't feel good, they have a temperature. There are a lot of different things. You know them, you know them better than I do. So ready? We don't need that. But what we are having is we're having these private labs have come in. They've been really fantastic. And we also have a great system for the future. Because as I said, we inherited, we, meaning this administration, 
an obsolete, broken system that wasn't meant for anything like this. Now we have a system that you can see, because, look, we're well into this, and nobody's even talking about it are, except for you, which doesn't Ameri surprise there me. There are Americans, though, which who say that they have me. symptoms and they can't get yeah, to well, okay. what, what do you yeah. say to the Americans I'm not, who are I'm saying not that hearing they have symptoms it. and they can't but get to We don't want everybody to go out and get a test, because there's no reason for it. Yeah. Americans who have symptoms we'll do one more after this. So... Part of the problem with that is that we are hearing individuals, we are hearing doctors who also uh, have been speaking to this whole issue. And so uh, here was Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, when he actually got to the microphone today. Roll, roll it, please. Availability, not only just availability, but the implementation of the availability is getting better and better and better. Having said that, I, I understand and empathize with the people who rightfully are saying, I'm trying to get a test and I can't. So, so is that a way of saying we are not yet at a point where we are meeting the demand pressure? Well, the answer is yes, uh, John. We are not there yet because otherwise people would be never calling up saying they can't get a test. The availability, not only just availability. You get a straight answer. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is also holding daily briefings, uh, and he's made it clear that uh, the city, New York, is being shut down as a result of coronavirus. We're going to take it to the ultimate step, which is we're going to close the valve, all right? Because the rate of increase in the number of cases uh, portends a total overwhelming of our hospital system. Uh, so we're going to put out an executive order today, New York State on pause, policies that assure uniform safety for everyone. Yesterday, California Gavin Newsom gave the exact same order. Uh, 40 million uh, folks in California shelter in place. We need to bend the curve in the state of California. And in order to do that, we need to recognize the reality. The fact is, the experience we're having on the ground throughout the state of California, the experience that's manifesting all across the United States, and for that matter, around the rest of the world, require us to adjust our thinking and to adjust our activities. A state as large as ours, a nation state, uh, is many parts, but at the end of the day, we're one body. There's a mutuality and there's a recognition of our interdependence that requires of this moment that we direct a statewide order for people to stay at home. I want folks to know that uh, we've lost a lot of volunteers that you know, simply are concerned and understandably are staying at home and our food banks and other, uh, others that have relied on volunteers and the community spirit need a little support. And so we're going to provide that support. Uh, this shouldn't be alarming. It's humanitarian only, but we'll send out about 500 of our extraordinary leaders in the National Guard to help with the distribution and the food. Again, just purely humanitarian. A few moments ago, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker also announced that Illinois is going to be on state, well, they stay in shelter until April 7th. Uh, so a lot of things are, are developing uh, at, it just in, in real time as folks were trying to get a handle on this. Joining us right now uh, is someone, again, who uh, knows uh, very well when it comes to the military, how things are handled, how do you deal with uh, issues like this, trying to mobilize and, and get people organized. Uh, that is retired General Lloyd Austin. Uh, he, of course, uh, was the 12th commander of the United States Central Command, uh, the first black commander of the Haiti organization, uh, and also uh, served as uh, the commanding general, the last commanding general of the United States Forces Iraq Operation New Dawn. Uh, and so, General, certainly glad to have you here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. 
Glad to be here. Roland. All right, so um, as someone who has commanded troops, when you look at this, um, uh, this coronavirus epidemic, we're seeing it going on all across the country. You have states who are saying shelter in place. Uh, the federal government has not given that order yet. They're trying to get a handle on it. Tests are increasing constantly. Um, as someone who has commanded troops, do you believe that we're at a point where what these governors are doing, Fauci has been saying, we actually need to do this? We got to shut the country down in order to get a handle on making sure people are getting tested, folks not congregating, and to understand how widespread this thing is. Uh, clearly, it's it's widespread. What's dangerous about it? A lot of things are dangerous about it, but it, what's alarming is that it's moving with incredible speed, and it can be transmitted very, very easily. And so, the magnitude of this problem, Roland, is unlike anything that we've ever uh, encountered before. You know, typically when you have a, a national emergency, something like a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake. It's centered in one part of the United States right. or one part of the world, and you can mobilize resources from from other places and and direct them to that place in need. In this case, when when things hit the fan, the globe got sprayed, and so it's very difficult. It's it's impossible to uh, to shift resources around. What you have to do is is bring uh, things up to scale as quickly as you possibly can. And what the military does is it adds scale. Uh, to the, can add scale to the problem. Uh, it clearly can provide uh, command and control and structure. It has capability in the forms of lab, in the form of labs and and some other things. And it has America's some of America's best people. Uh, the military has been em employed or or utilized in a, in a number of uh, national emergencies, uh, but we are typically not the lead agency, lead federal agency, when it comes to something like this. Uh, typically, FEMA is, and in, uh, and that's the case in this case. FEMA has a lot of capacity, and uh, and the military is in support of FEMA, and providing uh, a number of uh, of types of capability. And you just heard one governor talk about how he's uh, utilizing his National Guard forces. So, um, so uh, again, this is different from anything that we've ever seen. And I want to remind you that you know our the, the focus of the military is to protect the United States of America. And so, and by the way, we still have troops deployed in, in Afghanistan and Iraq and other parts of the world. Uh, our, the, the medical capabilities of the military are, are focused on supporting uh, those, those troops that are, that are deployed and helping the military to uh, gain and maintain the required uh, readiness uh, in order to be able to, to protect the country. So the military adds significant value to, or can add significant value to uh, an issue like this. Um, I, by the way, I doubt that you'll see, and any, anything can happen, but I, I doubt that you'll see in the near term that the president will issue an order for the entire country in terms of, you know, stay put or something of that nature. Why is that? I, I think it, that's probably best left to the, the local governance, the, the governors, uh, the mayors, uh, to work through that. The, the national government, I think, is focused on providing resources and direction and in uh, those types of things. But, but what you have, though, is you have yesterday, um, you know, Trump stood there and said, you know, look, federal government, we're not shipping clerks. And you have others who are saying, no, the federal government can use its power. And for instance, with, with this one CEO who said a company's trying to charge $7 per mask when it normally costs 58 cents. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the power of the federal government is to be able to say, come in. 
take a seat. Do this, and this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, the, the, that's where, but that's also where, where, where leadership comes in. Uh, as you've watched this, and we played a video yesterday, folks, get that video ready. It, 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 it talked about just these contrasting comments where it's no big deal, it's just one person, this is under control, it's just contained. Uh, you had Larry Cutlow early in February saying, oh, no, no, this thing is, we've all pretty much got this thing airtight, contained, uh, buy stocks. They will say all these different things when it wasn't happening. And so at some point, leadership has to be honest about exactly what's going on so people are hearing the truth and you're not getting these conflicting messages. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that as time has evolved and our, our scientists and our doctors have, uh, have had a chance to take, it look, uh, take a look at how this thing has progressed uh, on the international stage, uh, it's provided a, an ability to, to model a bit more and, and, and better and so now I think the, the true threat is, is, is clearly recognized not only by, by our government, but by governments around the, the world. And so recognizing, you know, the potential of, the, uh, of kind of the, the breadth of the spread of this and, and the speed at which it's moving, this requires a national effort, not just a whole of government effort, but a national effort. And what I mean by that is that the government, all of the agencies in the government have to work together under the direction of, uh, of the White House. Uh, but we also need industry, Roland, to stand up and, and really lean into this. And I think you're beginning to see that. I think you'll find that in this country, as you well know, Roland, there's, you know, people will exercise initiative to get the right things done. We saw that from the very beginning. You know, CDC says, hey, um, you know, this, this is dangerous, and, and you, you need to be concerned about a large gathering. So based upon that, the NBA shuts down. Then the NCAA shuts down. Then a number of other things shut down. Uh, individual initiative uh, versus, versus a, a mandate from, uh, from on high. So, so I think what you're seeing, what you'll, what you'll see is uh, companies uh, across the United States of America begin to lean into this in a major way. But it takes a little time. To gear up to produce masks, if you're not, if you haven't been accustomed to doing right. that, which which means that every day matters. I mean, every every, every day, every moment. I want to I want to play this. I want to play this. And uh, there was a group. Uh, look, they're not lovers of the president. They put this video together. But I think the timeline is important when you hear what was being said January 22nd, and then what you begin to hear in February and March. Go ahead and play it. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China. We think we have it very well under control. We pretty much shut it down coming in from China. You know, in April, supposedly, it dies with the hotter weather. When it gets warm, uh, historically, that has been able to kill the virus. The people are getting better. They're all getting better. And the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. And you'll be fine. Uh, they're going to have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. Not only the vaccines, but the therapies. Therapies is sort of another word for cure. You're talking about very small numbers in the United States. Our numbers are lower than just about anybody. It's really working out. And a lot of good things are going to happen. And we are responding with great speed and professionalism. It's going to go away. Yeah. No, I don't take responsibility at all. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This came up. It, it we came up so suddenly. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you had to do is look at other countries. The coronavirus. You know that, right? Coronavirus. And this is their new hoax. We're 15 people in this massive country. 
And because of the fact that we went early, we went early, we could have had a lot more than that. We're doing great. Our country is doing so great. As, as somebody who's, who's led massive amounts of people, does that frustrate you when the commander-in-chief makes those statements and it gives the impression early on, no big deal, it's, everything is fine, when the scientists were going, no, it's not. In fact, when there's a military intelligence unit that began to track this, they were saying, uh, this thing is real. That, 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 those comments, that's probably what drives me crazy because that's what led to people going to beaches and keep having gathers because it's kind of like, oh, it's contained. He said it's fine. There's no doubt, uh, Roland. I, I've not heard anyone say, or very many people say, that we weren't late to need. We were late to need. Uh, we, uh, you know, certainly I wasn't in the room when these, uh, these, uh, when the input was being provided to senior leadership and the assessments were being made. But, I, but I think that uh, you know, when when your experts are telling you something, then it it, it pays to listen to them and it, it pays to uh, to to begin to focus on gathering up the resources to uh, uh, to address uh, the, the problem. And, and obviously, we didn't do that in a timely fashion. Now we're racing to catch up. And again, we understand more and more each day about this threat. And what we know now, Roland, is that it's going to require a, a lot of resources to get in front of this. We, we're behind it. Uh, and, and more time will pass before we can, we can generate uh, more or fabricate more uh, more uh, equipment, you know, personal pr protective equipment and, and masks and ventilators, uh, because you got to retool some things. You got you to really get industry to lean into this. But my sense is that industry has begun to lean into it. And, and shortly, uh, you'll begin to see uh, some progress. And we hope that that'll be the case. If, if the order came down for the military to mobilize, um, and assist, not necessarily lead, but assist. Um, what does that look like? What, what what kicks in? What you know? What, what, how does it then go from that decision uh, from uh, the White House to the military, then to the rest of the country? Yeah. So, so you're right. We we wouldn't lead this. Uh, it would be led by uh, a federal agency, and and is led by a federal agency, FEMA. Uh, as the discussion evolves, we will focus on a, what problem is it that we're trying to solve that we can bring military capability uh, to bear to, to help this problem. Again, uh, we know that we have a need for, for personal protective equipment. The military has some of that in its, in its stockage. And I think you've heard the Secretary of Defense say that, you know, he's willing to, he, not willing, but he, he will provide uh, some, of, some of that uh, mask, uh, ventilators, and that sort of stuff, that, that's all helpful. Uh, we have labs that can, can assist with testing. Uh, so, you know, we would take, and, and I'm sure the military is taking a look at, you know, where can we br add value to this overall effort? But we, you know, the military can only do, it can do a piece of this. This will require, and, and I think it'll get, a lot more capability than just the military alone can, can, can bring to bear. Uh, we can we can help erect and, and fabricate uh, uh, shelters for additional uh, beds. We we can use some of the military uh, personnel to uh, to displace uh, some of the people that are on the front lines. Uh, you know, 
swabbing noses and 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 taking uh, taking samples so that uh, so they can they can test people. Uh, you know, so so there are a lot of things that can be done and and are being done, quite frankly, uh, as you've seen. You know that uh, there's a hospital ship uh, that's that's uh, soon to be headed to uh, the East Coast, New York. Uh, there's another hospital ship headed to uh, the West Coast. And, and that's pretty significant capability. Now, you wouldn't want to put uh, COVID patients on a hospital ship because of the, you know, the confined right. spaces. Uh, but you can use those, uh, those beds to, uh, to, you know, to open up uh, spaces for, for folks who have other problems. And, uh, and, and you, you can displace some, uh, that can create some space for COVID patients uh, eventually. But, but the military is also very familiar with going in, having to erect hospitals, uh, having to be able to uh, commandeer land, to be able to, to, to create those tents. We, we had uh, the Brooklyn Bureau president on yesterday, and what they did was they erected uh, these tents outside of the hospital to serve as an entry point. So instead of people coming into the hospital, Point you just made. Yeah. They were going through this tent first to get assessed to determine what uh, to determine what happens next. And, and, and the sense that I get is that from for, from these local hospitals and these mayors and these governors. I mean, the, the reality is, as you said, from from a national standpoint, they aren't used to having to mobilize uh, entire states. Like you said, look, I, I've lived through three hurricanes in Houston, and so what happens in this city or this particular uh, area of a city, uh, this is a whole different deal. To me, that's that's where the capability of the military comes in, where y'all are used to going in where there's absolutely nothing, then all of a sudden, a city all of a sudden is erected. You're right. We, we bring scale, we bring structure, we bring, bring command and control, uh, we bring speed. Uh, and, uh, and again, uh, we know how to get uh, get a lot of things done. And I, I think this capability uh, should be used. And I think the governors are tapping into that capability. And just the Army alone, you know, you have three components, as you well know. Active Army, um, you have uh, Army National Guard, you have uh, U.S. Army Reserve. So that's three different components. Each of those components has some medical capability. Uh, units that have medical capability. So, so there's a fair amount of uh, potential there. And again, uh, it just just need to focus. Uh, we we just need to focus on what are the major problems. You know, work in work in the military add value, uh, and then quickly make those decisions to uh, to employ that th those capabilities. Uh, when we, we earlier we we talked about speed, talked about time. I talked about how again it's every day. You didn't have it taken seriously what was going on. I remember we played a video from Senator Kamala Harris. February 12th, that was a hearing, uh, Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and she actually posted that video on, on that day. Uh, and there were Trump administration officials who didn't even come to the hearing. The purpose of the hearing was to dis discuss coronavirus. And uh, the response was, well, we don't have our talking points together. Here were United States senators who were, who was a hearing on February 12th who were saying... Hey, what, we, what, is, what is happening here? And, and, and that seemed to be uh, a, a huge problem in this whole idea of just, well, you know, we're not really ready to talk about it. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no, we were always serious about it. But then when you look at the response, when you look at the fact that uh, we still are not, despite all we're hearing, we don't have massive testing. You, you still have people who are showing symptoms, 
who doc, whose doctors are saying, I need them tested. They said, oh, they're not serious enough. And doctors are going, what in the world am I supposed to do? And to me, that delay of being able to call the, have, have mass production of those tests, being able to have, being able to go to those co companies and say, do you, what, what cable do you have? How can we retrofit your companies uh, to now produce ventilators? Uh, things along those lines. Th th that to me was, a, for me, a dereliction of duty from this president in the White House by not taking it seriously has put us in the position that we're in now. I think, uh, again, um, we are late to need, but I think that you'll see, uh, you know, once uh, all the, the, the segments of our society, of this country, uh, are engaged, and I think we are at this point, I, I think you'll see things begin to pick up steam and that flywheel begin to spin and it'll come up to, uh, to, to max RPM uh, a lot faster than people think would have thought possible. But again, you got to. Actually, this is not, I understand being, look, you respect the chain of command, uh, being the general four star. When it comes to these news conferences, should the scientists be leading them? I, I've always uh, felt that uh, having the folks who are the experts talk about uh, the, the significant issues is, uh, is a, you know, the, the way to go. I, I, think, uh, I think they're committed to providing factual information to uh, uh, to the public and that's really really important in a way that the public can can comprehend and uh, and digest what we want to make sure is that people understand uh, what it is they need to do to protect themselves and their families and understand also that you know the system is beginning to work hard uh, to deliver the capabilities that, that we'll need to counter to counter this going forward uh, Last question. Are there one or two things currently not being done that you believe should be done? Well, I think you, you've heard a, a number of people say that we need to increase the amount of tests available uh, to, uh, so, so we can get a better picture of, of how, how, how big this problem really is. Uh, and, uh, and again, since, since I am not in the decision-making loop and I don't fully know all the things that are being done, uh, you know, I won't care to second, I don't care to second guess at this point. I, I suspect there are a number of things happening behind the scenes that we're not aware of. But I would tell people that if you want to know what the military is doing, uh, if you go to DOD.gov and, and look at the latest updates, uh, you'll see what the Department of Defense is doing. If you want to know what the Army is doing, you can go on the web and, and, and figure out, you know, the, the uh, or, or gain information about the latest decisions that have been made to deploy resources or employ resources. So I think a lot more information is out there now, uh, Roland, than was uh, uh, just 48 hours ago. So I, I encourage people uh, to be proactive, um, you know, check out the websites to see what people are doing and what what they're actually, uh, the, the uh, decisions that are actually being made. Well, and we also have to be mindful of the fact that uh, members of the military are also impacted by this as well because uh, we need to assure that they're being tested uh, and we know whether or not they have coronavirus and how their families are impacted. We're seeing that only medical personnel uh, because they can't go home. They can't actually see their family members. And so, we, I, you know, th that's one of the things that we have to also remember as well, uh, that they, they might be National Guard, they might be in Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, 
but they still are regular folks uh, who are dealing with the same thing we're dealing with. You're exactly right. And when you unplug a nurse out of the civilian community to and mobilize that person to go be in a National Guard unit, uh, you've just uh, taken away a little bit of capability out of the out of the community that you need there. So, so you have to really be careful about what decisions you're making and what kind of capability you're trying to take and, and apply to uh, to the problem set. Uh, what I would leave you with, Roland, is that you know our military has never failed this country once in the country's existence, not once. Uh, when called upon, uh, they, they will rise to the occasion, uh, and they will put country and and the people of this country before their per, their own personal concerns. But the issue that you just raised, that uh, the, the service members have family members too, is something that we need to continue to be mindful of. Uh, the military will always want to to do our part or their part uh, to uh, to help. And uh, and again, they have never once failed uh, the United States of America. So. General Lloyd Austin, retired four-star general. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me. And, uh, and, and so in the history of the Army, how many African Americans have been four-star generals? Is it seven, eight? We're, I think we're up to nine now. Okay. All right. Well, our goal is to get... I was, the, I was, I was number six. Bro. You were number six? Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, uh, and also, I, when, I, when I interviewed uh, General Brooks, one of the things he told me, he said that uh, y'all always made sure that when one retires, there's always one who's coming online. So, so, so who, who's the current active duty four-star general in, in, in Army? General Mike Garrett. He's the commander of uh, United States, United States Army Forces Command uh, down in uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, he's a he's a great American, and uh, and one day you should you should have him on your show. Ah, we'll do that. Well, <laughs> well, well luckily of uh, the total number, I've actually talked to five of them. Talk to five of them. So I'll talk to probably a, a majority of them. So we'll definitely try to get them on as well. All right, General, you, I appreciate you it. You should have us all on at one time here at <laughs> one, some point, bro. Right. And guess what? Y'all can probably all fit on one set. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is not a good thing. General, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Roland. All right, folks. Uh, again, as I said, the U.S. has suspended all non-essential traffic across its borders with both Mexico and Canada. Italy announced another record-breaking death toll, folks. 627, up from 427 the previous day. The country cited 9,600 people in one day for violating its lockdown. Also, when it comes to your taxes... <laughs> Y'all don't really want to talk about that. Uh, it's been extended from April 15th to July, 20, July 15th, and also stocks continue to fall. The S&P 500 fell by more than 3%. Going to go to break. We come back. More breakdown of the latest with the coronavirus right here on Rollerbot Unfiltered. You want to support Rollerbot Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I 
I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they basically about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket screen. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that. But if I wanted to also, unlike other, because if I flip it and turn it over, it actually gives me a different type of texture. And so therefore it gives me a different look. So there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brenda Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. All right, folks, again, we were talking about that news conference today where it just really just got absolutely wild and crazy. Uh, and uh, Dr. Fauci uh, was asked a question dealing with the shutdowns in New York, California, now Illinois. Here's what he had to say. I'd like him to go back to the State Department, or as they call it, the Deep State Department, if you don't mind. I'd like to have him go back and uh, do his job. So does anybody have any questions? Please. All right, so what you had also, folks, going on today was this whole issue of, again, the drug and the testing. And then, of course, you had that exchange that took place uh, between Donald Trump uh, and Peter Alexander with NBC News. Go to my iPad, please. I'm going to play it from here, folks. And uh, so, so just listen to this. I'm going to break it down with our panel. Prescribed for many years for people to combat malaria, which was a big problem, and it's very effective. It's a strong, it's a strong drug. So we'll see. Effective against SARS. It was a very. It was, as I understand that. I, I is that a correct statement? It was fairly effective on SARS. John, you've got to be careful when you say fairly effective. It was never done in a clinical trial. They compared it to anything. It was given to individuals and felt that maybe it worked. So, you've, but was there anything to compare it to? Well, that's the point. Whenever you do a clinical trial, you do standard of care versus standard of care plus the agent you're evaluating. That's the reason why we showed back in Ebola, why particular uh, uh, interventions worked. About the possible therapies, yesterday, Mr. President, you said that they were for, quote, immediate delivery, immediate. We heard no, from We're ordering, uh, yes, we have uh, uh, millions of units ordered. Uh, Bayer is one of the companies, as you know, big company, very big, very uh, great company. Uh, millions of units are ordered, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to be uh, talking to the governors about it, and the FDA is working on it right now. Uh, the advantage is that it has been prescribed for a totally different problem, but it has been described for many years, and everybody knows the levels of, of uh, the, the negatives and the positives. But I will say that uh, I am a man that comes from a very positive school when it comes to, in particular, one 
of these drugs. And we'll see how it works out, Peter. I'm not, I'm not saying it will, but I, I think uh, that uh, people may be surprised. By the way, that would be a game changer. But we're going to know very soon. But, but we have ordered millions of units. It's being ordered by, from Bayer. And there is another couple of companies also that, that do it. Dr. Fauci said there is no magic drug for coronavirus right now, which you would agree. I guess on this issue, well, then we'll, we'll let you know, I, I think we only is disagree a little bit. I'm sorry. I disagree. Uh, maybe and maybe not. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We have to see. Is We're going to know. That, is, it possible, is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I don't think so. The I preparedness so. right now. No, I don't think so. I think that... Uh, I think it's got you know, the not yet approved drug. I mean, such a lovely question. Uh, look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. Uh, I feel good about it. That's all it is. Just a feeling. I, you know, I'm a smart guy. I feel good about it. And we're going to see. You're going to see soon enough. And we have certainly some very big samples of people. If you look at the people, there are a lot of people that are in big trouble. And uh, this is not a drug that, obviously, uh, I think I can speak for a lot of from a lot of experience because it's been out there for over 20 years. So it's not a drug that you have a huge amount of danger with. It's not like a brand new drug that's been just created that may have an unbelievable monumental effect, like kill you. Uh, we're going to know very soon, and I can tell you, the FDA is working very hard to get it out right now. In terms of malaria, if you want it, you can have a prescription. You get a prescription. And by the way, and it's very effective. It works. Uh, I have a feeling you may, and, and I'm not being overly optimistic or pes pessimistic. I sure as hell think we ought to give it a try. I mean, there's been some interesting things happened and some good, very good things. Uh, let's see what happens. We have nothing to lose. You know the expression? What the hell do you have to lose? Okay. So what do you say the Americans were scared, though? I guess nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. So I don't call it, I don't call it Comcast, I call it Comcast. Let me just ask for whom you work. Let me just say something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. Let's see what happens, John. Can I get back to the science and the logistics? You're be ashamed the, of yourself. The, the, the units that were. All right. <laughs> Talk about absolutely arrogance there. Let's bring in right now my panel, Dr. Niambe Carter. She, of course, Howard University Department of Political Science. Uh, Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice EPA. Um, here's the thing with that whole exchange there. First of all, yesterday, he said the FDA approved it. They didn't. They had to release a statement last night saying that was not the case. Um, he gave the impression that it was a cure. It wasn't. The timeline we showed, oh, treatments means cure. No, it doesn't. The problem here, which is what Peter Alexander was getting to, is you're lying. He didn't want to say it, but he should have said it. Mm -hmm. What he should have said is you constantly lied and... 
They had to correct things. Remember the Oval Office address. Three different things he said, they were all lies. They had to come back and correct those things immediately after the speech. He stood up and talked about uh, the hospital ships. They're still in port, getting repaired. They're not going to be able to go out for a couple of months. He makes announcements, and it's not rooted in fact. That's really what Peter Alexander was saying, and then he got pissed off. Well, I mean, and Peter G Alexander gave him a softball at the end. What would you say? First of all, it wasn't a softball. No, that was, that, that was a snowball. Right, I mean, but it was... And it was a, melting. Right, but it was <laughs> an easy way for him to say something presidential, right? Right. He could have had an easy win because everybody gets all excited once he says something that actually makes him sound like a leader, and then he gets all this positive press. He had a moment, and instead, he got caught flat-footed and does what he always does. He pivots. It's the media's fault. The media is not making up a global pandemic. The media is not making right. up it, the, coronavirus. It's so like the Chris Rock. It's the media. When Chris was talking about uh, somebody, he like, uh-uh. He said, it wasn't the media when you got robbed at the ATM exactly. machine. Stop trying to blame the media. And I think this is par for the course, because the truth is, he doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't understand right. public health. He certainly doesn't right. understand leadership. And any time you have to have Anthony Fauci sit right next to you and then come back to the podium and correct again, I mean, it's just creating a more difficult problem for the CDC and other agencies that actually do understand health mm -hmm. and healthcare crises. And that... Right there, Mustafa, is the fundamental problem that we're dealing with. You cannot trust what comes out of his mouth. You can't. Right. The president has been, um, you know, he's been in a situation since the first day that he came into office where he was not prepared uh, and when he was in over his head. I mean, just look at all of the choices that he's made. Sensationalism was the only thing that the president had going for him. Mm -hmm. He would find the most sensational aspects of different policy, of various things, and that would be what he would focus on, making it in a negative or flipping it and trying to make the country believe that we were in a better place than we actually were. Mm -hmm. I resigned from the federal government over three years ago now. I started talking about the coronavirus in January the 24th because I found out from some other scientists how serious they thought it was in mid-January. So if somebody who does not work and does not have the same access that the president does can know how serious this is, then it says something about the president. It was uh, another exchange uh, I go to. I think uh, this is um, uh, Cecilia Vega on ABC. Go to my iPad, please. I'm just thinking the application here. So that would be under sort of the modified compassionate access. We're doing that, I guess, and that's, that's what it's called, yeah. Yes. Dr. Fauci, if you don't mind, uh, to follow up on what the president is saying, should Americans have hope in this drug right now? And, sir, I, I would like to follow up on Peter's question here. Could you please issue... Uh, address Americans in this country who are scared right now. This is a very valid concern that people have. No, there really isn't that much of a difference in many respects with what we're saying. The president feels optimistic about something, his feeling about it. What I'm saying is that it might, it might be effective. I'm not saying that it isn't. It might be effective, but as a scientist, as we're getting it out there, we need to do it in a way as while we are making it available for people who might want the hope that it might work, you're also collecting data that will ultimately show that it is truly effective and safe under the conditions of COVID-19. So there really isn't different. It's just a question of how one feels about it. Is there any reason to believe it's not safe? Well, certainly as a drug, any drug, John, has some toxicities. The decades of experience that we have with this drug indicate that the toxicities are rare and they are, in many respects, reversible. What we don't know is when you put it in the context of another disease, whether it's safe. Fundamentally, I think it probably is going to be safe. 
but I like to prove things first. So it really is a question of not a lot of difference. It's the hope that it will work versus proving that it will work. So I don't see big differences here. I agree. Sir, Mr. your message to Americans who are working at home, who have their children in their homes right now, who okay, are homeschooling, doctors who say they don't have the masks they need to do their jobs, your message to them. My message to the American people is that uh, there is a very low incidence of death. You understand that. And uh, we're going to come through this stronger than ever before. Uh, if you get it, if you happen to get it, uh, it is highly unlikely. It's looking like it's getting to a number that's much smaller than people originally thought in terms of the ultimate, uh, uh, the ultimate problem, which would be death. Uh, my message to the American people is, number one, you've done an incredible job. Incredible what you've gone through. It's been incredible. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't the fault of 140 other countries where this has happened. Uh, and there is tremendous hope. And I think we're going to come out stronger, better, bigger in every way. I think we're going to be a better country than we were before. And we learned a lot. We learned on reliance, who to rely on, who not to rely on. But our country, uh, our country has been incredible, the way they pulled together, including the fact that I just spoke to Senator Schumer. We had a wonderful conversation. We both want to get to a good solution. But it's been it really, for me, watching and seeing people that weren't speaking, getting along well, because we all have one common aim, and that's to get rid of this invisible enemy, get rid of it fast, and then go back to the kind of economy that we had, and maybe even better. Yeah, please, in the back. Um, no, the back. This is what, again, it's the lying. It, first of all, y'all, let it run because I'm looking for something else. No, no, go to the split screen. I want because I'm looking to pull the audio down. I'm looking for something. Why the hell is Sean Spicer asking a question? Hold up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What the hell was that? Uh, Sean Spicer all of a sudden is in the. Uh, uh, yeah, pull the audio down. What the hell was that? Sean Spicer, really? He, he pulled the audio down of that, just for us. Here's the whole piece here. He lies. To sit there and say, well, it's not, you know, it's all about death. There are more people who are dead today than a month ago. We said it, 16,000 cases. Uh, the number's increasing in New York State, in Washington State, in Louisiana. I'm sorry, what world is this dude living in? But this is the thing. Donald Trump has routinely done this, which is played fast and loose with the facts, and then you have to have other people come clean it up. And the fact of the matter is people will continue to die because he's very cavalier about this, saying, mm -hmm. oh, you'll just get sick. Like, it's just going to be a case of the sniffles. This is a very serious disease, and I think he's treating this as if it's just a cold or it's just something that uh, won't really kill that many people. But isn't one person dying one too many, mm -hmm. particularly when we knew in January that this was happening, mm -hmm. particularly when you had health officials saying this thing is coming and if we don't test people and we're not proactive this is going to spread this is exactly what happened I mean, and now we're here reaping the world there's a reason there's a reason states are shutting uh, down Absolutely. i had a guy i had a guy who matter of fact john ziegler he's been first of all i think i have the sean go go to my ipad i think i have the sean sean question sean spicer question i'm still laughing at it go um no the back please oh. Mr. President, I uh, have two questions, if you'll indulge me. 
The first question is, many small businesses are concerned that they have weeks, not months, and are worried about how long it'll take. We're going to be helping them a lot. We're going to be focused, a big focus, and including my conversation with both Mitch and with Chuck. A big okay. focus of that conversation with small business. Here, here's the thing that that it, it is it, it, it is baffling here. The governor of California says shelter in place mm -hmm. because based upon the numbers that we've run, 56 percent of all Californians are going to get this. Mm -hmm. There are 40 million people in California. He's saying more than 20 million are going to get it. Mm -hmm. To to then go oh well, this thing is slowing down but. It's like, no, that's something that's actually happening in the world, and then something totally different in his brain. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to... So, so let's go back just a little bit in history. The president has never believed in science. When there you, you go. When you see yep. science folks talking, he ignores them. When he came in, he tried to get rid of all the science advisory committees. He began to take scientists away from their scientific jobs and put them in accounting jobs and other types of things at other agencies where people left. At the Environmental Protection Agency, he did everything that he could to manipulate science so that he could manipulate policy so that those who are making profit could continue to do so and to expand that. And here's the other part. The president lives in a billionaire bubble. He lives in a place where he is protected from many of the things that everyday people have to deal with. Now, corona may be a different situation where, yes, he may actually get impacted because he may actually contract the virus. But his administration has lived. They have created policy. They have implemented different types of steps from this privilege paradigm, which I call the billionaire bubble, where you think you can do whatever you need to do and you will always be okay, and the folks on the outside just have to live with it. Uh, of course, uh, the coronavirus pandemic showed up in the middle of spring break. They didn't face a whole bunch of young people that act like that nobody can get it. And here was some video, of course, uh, from Florida. my Alpha brothers, but I'm just simply saying, first of all, that wasn't in Florida. That was actually from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But all I'm saying is, y'all was strolling, but you need to sit your ass down and not congregating as a group. Uh, and people don't understand the importance of social distance. Now, finally, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has decided to man up and issue an executive order calling for strict closures of beaches and businesses in Broward and Palm Beach counties. Uh, you know, duh, that's what you should have been doing before. Uh, and again, the people are sitting here uh, saying how, though, how are these closures, how are this shelter-in-place going to impact those who are homeless and in faith-based communities? Joining us right now is Reverend Shane Harris, founder of the People's Alliance for Justice. Uh, Reverend Harris, what's interesting is I I've been seeing these stories of homeless folks in California taking over abandoned homes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a it's a critical issue, Roland. I'm glad that you're 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 dealing with this. Uh, last. Uh, night, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, issued a stay-at-home order. But there are people who don't have a home. There are people who are unsheltered. And uh, we've been raising to county officials here in San Diego and across the state uh, that our homeless population should be screened. We've been calling for street screening teams. Uh, and, and in some cases, tested, depending on the symptoms that, that they show. Now, it's a real issue. And uh, you know, one of the dynamic things that we're seeing uh, here in San Diego County is that county officials have partnered with motels and hotels to provide hotel rooms and motel rooms to those that are, uh, that to our homeless population to be quarantined uh, because obviously they've been out in the streets on a consistent 
uh, level. And so this is really important uh, and something that we're really pushing for in regard to our streets screen being screened and our homeless populations being quarantined through this this whole process. And so who's actually dealing with this issue? Well, um, it really is a, a coordination of county government, state government. Um, we don't think the federal government is doing anything about this on a federal level. But state and county government here in California are really partnering to uh, try to partner with hotels and motels across the state to provide uh, these rooms to our homeless population. And I believe that the state of California and our local county government, and I know particularly here in county of San Diego what happened, was that county government basically is funding these hotels to be able to provide this space to homeless folks out in the streets so that we can quarantine them for uh, at least the next few weeks until this thing slows down. What uh, are you advising uh, the cities and counties to do? I mean, because, look, we've been dealing with this homeless issue. We've seen it, it really um, uh, rise up over the last six or nine months. Uh, cities have been talking about how much of a crisis it is, especially on, on the West Coast, where, of course, the cost of homes is exploding, places like San Francisco in L.A. What should be happening uh, in cities and counties across the country? Well, I think that... Um I like the idea that uh, of partnering with hotels and motels to provide a temporary space uh, to our, our unsheltered populations. But I also think that what I mentioned is that there needs to be consistent screening uh, in this whole crisis and health, public health outbreak with our homeless populations. You're not seeing people being screened. They're not social distancing. I had the chance to uh, visit a, a shelter uh, just a few days ago uh, here in San Diego County, uh, because obviously I'm not traveling. And one of the things that I'm very concerned about is that as I, when I went to the shelter and I had my mask and my gloves and everything on, but there, there is a serious issue outside of the shelter, people not getting in, shelters are overcrowded, and this is why the hotels and motels are important, but we're calling on county and state officials to start screening the streets. There are people that need to be identified that are homeless, and they need to be screened for symptoms. If we're not screening them, then we're not testing them. And you know that that can be a real large issue to this public health outbreak, our homeless and unsheltered populations, which could be carrying the virus and spreading it uh, across the city, our cities, towns, and counties. Real concern to us that they're screened and then tested. All right, then. Reverend Shane Harris, founder of the People's Alliance for Justice. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, uh, this is the, what, I, what I've been saying. What this is exposing are the multiple facets, the, again, the gaps in this society. Absolutely. That's what this is exposing. Absolutely. And when you talk about folks like the housing insecure, which like a lot of different kinds of people, people who are couch surfing, people who are maybe living in cars for a while, people in shelters in these different communities, they don't really have the ability to just go out and go to the doctor if they get a sniffle. So there are lots of concerns. You're also talking about people who may have other kinds of chronic health conditions, mm -hmm. which will then make this, this virus all the more dangerous to those folks. So I think there's a lot to consider when you're talking about
about the housing insecure and even dealing with people's shame around not being able to provide a steady place for themselves to live, perhaps their children to live, um, and having to overcome that stigma so that we actually can do something to actually help people in a proactive way. But for sure, with the housing crisis we see, whether it be California or D.C. or New York, I mean, that's not going to go away. And long after this virus is done, we'll still have to be thinking more proactively about how we find people long-term and short-term solutions to their housing insecurity. And part of that is the cost of housing. We have 500,000 people in this country, and that's the conservative number, mm -hmm. who are homeless, who are housing insecure. Ben Carson, where have you been? You had the opportunity to make sure that we had affordable housing. You come from a situation like that when you were growing up, so when you took this job, you should have been doing everything that you can to make sure that we no longer have this housing situation that we have going on. Our homeless brothers and sisters also sometimes suffer from mental illness. So when we're talking about social distancing, when we're talking about this new set of stressors that the virus brings, you've got to be thinking about how you're going to help them to navigate that and to make sure that the capacity and the tools are in place to help them to understand what's going on and where the resources are to be able to help them. If you're not doing that, then you're creating additional gaps in the system. All right, folks, with so many mandatory shutdowns in states across the country, people who are following directions and staying at home are wondering how long this virus is going to be a danger to everyone. The key to that is understanding how viruses grow and mutate. Here to join us, here to talk about that is Dr. Joseph Graves, professor of biological sciences at North Carolina A&T University. So, Dr. Graves, uh, so, so, so break this thing down because now we're hearing, now people are scared to even touch packages. Now we're hearing that uh, that the coronavirus is airborne, that it could now um, it could now reside on the corrugated boxes for four or five days and surfaces. So now people are just totally freaking out. And so uh, walk us through exactly, you know, what all of that means. Is that true or not true? Um, from what we know, viruses can persist on surfaces for um, a number of days. Uh, what I've uh, seen in terms of the coronavirus is 72 hours but that's always going to have a plus or minus to it. So the key um, with regard to touching surfaces is always going to be maintaining your own personal sanitation. That means if you receive a package in the mail, you should probably leave that packaging outside if you can, take out the contents that you need, and then you should thoroughly wash your hands. And that means getting a lot of soap on there, getting in between your fingers, you know, getting your nails. Okay, how about this? Okay, yeah. okay, how about this, Doc? Okay, I, so 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 I got a package today from Amazon. So you're saying I should open it up outside, but then, you, hold on, but, you, but, but, but then, but but then, but then, no, I can, I can, but then, yeah. but then, shouldn't I also open the box as inside of the box and take the item out, and then? Because, again, if the item came from a company in China or from some other different company, I mean, and, and so then, but what about the item itself? Somebody had to assemble it. So what do I, what do, I do? Do I then spray the item down with, with, with some, and then wipe it down? I mean, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, if, again, if you can wipe down the, the item uh, with an antiseptic, it's probably a good practice. Um, the chances of, let's say, if this thing was assembled in China six months ago, the chances of a virus staying viable on the surface of that item is, is very low. But at the end of the day, your protection is always going to be assume the worst, 
and use soap and water and keep your hands clean. In particular, after touching items, make sure they don't go near your nose or your eyes. Got it. So again, I'm gonna go back. So if if we get a package, so let's just say, let's just say now not not just a package that came from Amazon, but let's say it's a package. Uh, if we went to Costco or Sam's or even a grocery store. Um, it's a box of cereal, okay? You went to grocery stores, a box of cereal. So what you're saying is if you went shopping, then you got that package, and then you came home, um, what you should do is, if it's that box of cereal, what, get some wipes and wipe the outside of the box down, then go wash your hands? Uh, I think the best thing to do would even be to transfer the cereal into your own container. Okay, transfer uh, the cereal in your own container, the and package. then throw, it, throw out the box. Okay. Throw out the box, and then wash, wash your hands. Oh, so that's so just so if so same thing if somebody went out and bought a pack of cookies or whatever whatever we bought that's in that's in another container, then what we should do is transfer it. So if it's some meat, put it in Ziploc bags or whatever the heck, and then throw throw that package uh, throw that package out. And but absolutely before we touch it, wash our hands, and then after we throw it out, wash our hands. Yeah, and and if, and if you have the option to to buy disposable surgical gloves, um, my laboratory we work with bacteria all the time, and so my students are always in the lab wearing gloves, and so when we work with you know bacterial samples, we have gloves on. They then dispose of the gloves, and then they wash their hands thoroughly, singing you know Happy Birthday to me at least two or three times. And the key, again, is getting lots of lather because the way you get the virus off of your hands is by the action of the soap. And people should not, by the way, um, have overdue confidence in um, antiseptic uh, and antibacterial uh, substances because, uh, one, generally they don't work well against viruses. And even in the case of bacteria, they yeah. tend to lead to the bacteria evolving resistance to the antiseptic. Yeah. So the tried and true manner to keep viruses and bacteria off of your hands is good old soap and water. Gotcha. So, all right, so let's talk about, again, uh, uh, how do viruses grow and mutate? So um, viruses are actually non-living genetic codes that are wrapped inside of a protein shell. Um, they probably originated in the genomes of the organisms that they inhabit. Um, and so they then become essentially rogue genetic codes that are copying themselves at the expense of the host organism. Um, and since DNA, when it replicates, the protein machinery that replicates the DNA or RNA, in the, in the case of the coronavirus, is incapable of doing that without making a mistake. Those mistakes we call mutations, and that's what drives the evolution of viruses. The viruses that have the ability to replicate most successfully inside of the cells of their host are the ones that persist and go on to infect more hosts. And that's simply the way all genetic systems work, replication, mutation, natural selection. And that's what's happening with the coronavirus. Mustafa, got a question? Doc, you know, there are some rumors going around right now on the Internet about folks being able to utilize garlic, collodial silver, a number of other things. Do you have any sort of tips for folks if, if any of that is effective, or should we stay rooted in the science that we currently know that 
uh, people should be doing. Yeah, soap. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, I was actually, my laboratory was the first laboratory in the world to show how quickly bacteria can evolve resistance to silver. And so if bacteria can do it, viruses can do it too. So certainly, if, you know, if you have, uh, you know, and there are a lot of products now that use uh, silver uh, in soaps and in bandages, et cetera, mm -hmm. um, they're going to work for a limited period of time before the viruses evolve resistance to them. So at the end of the day, you know, this is what we call a co-evolutionary race. Every substance that we devise to try to control the virus is then going to lead to the virus's evolution of resistance to that substance. And then we devise a new substance and they evolve resistance again. And so this is something that we can't, we will never be able to get out of. Viruses are going to exist as long as animals and plants exist. They're going to co-evolve with them. Sometimes they're going to be extremely virulent like new viruses generally are when they come into a new species. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully the good news is that in general, new viruses tend to evolve towards less virulence mm -hmm. over time. But the problem is in that first wave that hits a species, like in the case of the great 1918 pandemic, mm -hmm. which killed some 50 million people worldwide. Now this current coronavirus has that capacity, so we should not in any way underestimate it. But neither, and this is really important, should we jump into sort of wives' tales and, and, and urban myths and folklore about how to deal with, you know, viruses and bacteria. There is a science of this, and we particularly need to employ that science. And, and I hate to say this, but part of the reason we were unprepared for this is because the administration that currently resides in Washington didn't listen to scientists um, and has hampered the ability of scientists to do their job with regard to this, the danger that now the world is facing. Doc? Yeah, so Dr. Graves, they're expecting this disease to come on in waves. So after we do this sort of initial hunkering down until probably mid-April to late April in some estimations, what should we be doing going forward as this disease will continue to be around, but maybe not as um, worrisome as this initial first wave from, say, February to, to April? Well, it's hard to make predictions about when the uh, virus populations are going to drop off enough so that we can stop with the social distancing. But let's say at some point we're going to have to. And so it's, it's either the virus kills us all off or we get to the point where we feel safe enough to be able to resume, you know, sort of life as normal. But what I said earlier in the program is always going to be your best friend. Mm -hmm with regard to personal sanitation and being careful about what you touch, when you touch it, and it going near your eyes and nose. So even before this specific virus, that was always good practice. And the other thing that I wanna make really clear to the viewers on the show is people in my field, I, I study microbial evolution, we've been warning the world about these coming pandemics mm -hmm. for nine, near 70 years. And this corona outbreak is just one of many mm -hmm. that we're going to experience, particularly as the human population grows, as more people are packed into less space. Um, we've created the conditions by which viruses and bacterial disease have basically a windfall opportunity mm -hmm. 
to spread themselves. So this is something we're not is not going away. So we need to change the way we live, and we need to do it soon. So that when you say that, when you say change the way we live, break that down. Well, I, I happened to hear some of the discussion before I came on the air. And one of the things that really wealthy people don't seem to understand, that one of the unanticipated side effects of income inequality is creating a reservoir of people, for example, homeless people and incarcerated people who are always going to be the target of these viral and bacterial diseases because of the conditions that they have to live in. But those people also come in contact with surfaces where rich people are. So if they think they're going to be safe by, you know, cloistering themselves in their own communities while allowing the majority of people in this country to go homeless or underemployed or thrown in jail, then, then they've got things absolutely wrong. Because even in their best interest for us to have people with places to live, people with employment that is meaningful, it, it's important for us to end mass incarceration. Um, even if you, know, if you were just going to not even talk about the social justice aspects of it, epidemiologically, it is a terrible idea. Doc, the... One of the things I find to be very interesting, and, and granted, you're look, you're a scientist. Some might say this this is a question uh, of faith, um, but also could be science. And that is when you look at where we are now. I, I saw there was a video uh, in Venice, uh, and because the ships have not been able to travel, uh, the dolphins have returned uh, to. Um, to the area near uh, where people walk. Uh, that was someone who posted uh, a graphic uh, that showed the air quality in Los Angeles as a result of people not being able uh, to travel. Um, I've, I've been hearing uh, all over the place, folks have been talking about, wow, man, uh, I went for a walk and the, and the air is different uh, not going for a walk. When you hear someone say that this was Earth's way of telling the world you need to slow your ass down, how do you respond to that? Um, number one, uh, and if you don't mind, I'd like to share with the viewers that, that I'm a confirmed Episcopalian, <laughs> so I, I don't find any contradiction between my work as a research scientist and my work um, in the faith community. Mm -hmm. I, I don't find any contradiction to that at all. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, the earth to me is an inanimate thing. So the earth isn't telling us anything. However, our behavior mm -hmm. is leading to the creation of a world that is drastically dangerous to the quality of human life. And so you don't need the earth to tell you that. All you need to do is open your eyes and take a look at what's been happening over the course of the 20th century. Um, if you haven't seen the videos of Antarctica calving huge sheets of ice bigger than states in the Union, if you haven't seen uh, films, documentary films like Chasing Ice, where you see glaciers receding over in time-lapse photography over 50 years, then you're simply unaware of the fact 
that we as human beings are destroying the planet that gives us substance. And if we, again, do not change our ways, biological processes are going to let us know in no uncertain terms that the way we are living is unsustainable. Now, I don't throw that on God because, you know, from where I stand, you know, God is good. But people, on the other hand, okay, have uh, yeah, me, that's me turning on the automatic light. <laughs> we got well, you. We got you. We know God. <laughs> well, yeah, Mustafa said God was sending you a signal. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So it's just, just, just going on with that. You know, this is the kind of thing that really, again, calls into question the social structures, the economic structures that we built. Um, the way we're doing things really can't deal with this kind of pandemic. Um, we don't have enough trained doctors. We don't have enough hospital beds. We don't have enough health equipment ventilators. I read a report from a nurse in New York City this morning who claims that they're already making triage decisions about which patient gets a ventilator and which patient does not. So, and again, uh, since I think the focus of our conversation is also on uh, people of African descent in the United States and other underserved communities, these kinds of uh, tribulations are going to be visited more so on people who have been historically underserved with regard to the health uh, care infrastructure, which, by the way, isn't prepared to help the entire nation, but it, the effect of this kind of pandemic is going to be even more devastating on the poorest people in this nation. You're going to ask you this here, Docs. Uh, so when, when I was driving in uh, to work, um, 72 degrees outside, uh, not that many people who were on the roads as well, and, and I had my, my sunroof open, had the windows down. And um, I was actually streaming uh, and playing some music in the car, sort of our hashtag rolling with rolling jam session before I came on the air. And I had a woman who said, uh, Roland, are, are you not scared about the coronavirus being in the air with the windows open and the top down? So, okay, you're here. Uh, what about that? We're here that it's, 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 it's airborne. So, okay, what does that mean? We now can't roll windows down, can't open sunroof, can't open the windows in our house, can't go for a walk. Ex just explain uh, that. Yeah, that's, that's probably an incorrect view of the situation. And what we mean airborne, um, it means that one of the ways that the virus is transmitted is by people coughing and sneezing. Mm -hmm. And the virus viral particles will go into the air. Now, how long they stay in the air, and, and the virus is about 115 nanometers in size and diameter, um, it's not really clear how long it will stay in the air, but this is still probably several feet. So unless someone happens to be in the car in the lane next to you with their windows open and your windows open and they turn in your direction and cough at you, it's unlikely that you're going to get coronavirus from a random breeze. <laughs> right. So I, I think we, you know, we, we don't need to panic in that way yet. 
praise the Lord. Uh, praise <laughs> the Lord. Uh, any other questions uh, for uh, for Doc? I'm good. Yeah. He said it all. He said a mouthful. Yeah. Well, Dr. Graves, uh, certainly glad to have you here. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, I created this platform uh, is because uh, it drives me crazy when these sort of stuff stories happen and you swear that there are no black scientists, there are no black doctors, there are no black biological science, you know, microbiologists, virologists. Uh, and so uh, for our audience, it's been great for us to see the expertise that exists with our community and to be able to uh, to answer, answer these questions. And so we certainly will be calling upon you and some of your other colleagues. Uh, if you've got any other folks you want to recommend to us to have on, uh, just, just, uh, yeah. just, and, just... And actually, I would like to say one thing in go that ahead. regard. Go ahead. Um, this is the first year in the history of this science where two students of African descent earned their PhD in microbial evolution in the same year. The first is my student, Dr. Sade Boyd. Uh, she, she defended on Monday of this week. And the second is Nkrumah Grant, um, who's in the Lenski lab at Michigan State University. So they're wrong. I mean, there aren't a lot of us yet, but we are beginning to make progress. And so there is a cadre of top African-American scientists in the biological sciences. And I, I'm happy to forward you a list of names. Absolutely. Of that you, can, you can have on your show. Well, well, absolutely, because this is obviously gonna be the story every single day, and so we wanna be sure uh, to, to get those, give those folks an opportunity to share their expertise and knowledge with our audience. Thank you, sir. Dr. Graves, thanks a lot, we appreciate it. Folks, when we come back, we'll talk with uh, Deborah Owens about how to protect your money. Don't even just look at your 401k right now because don't even look at it. When we come back, we'll talk to Deborah Owens about that very issue right here in Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. workers ages 18 to 64 or 44 percent of all workers earn low income salaries they are our working poor applications for unemployment compensation has reached its highest level since september 2017 in fact folks at goldman sachs estimates it's more than two million the trump administration wants to check this out they want to keep this thing down they want to wait for those numbers to be released after they release the employment figures uh, the 1st of April. Yeah, we know how that goes. Now, with so many people barely making enough to survive, how do they protect the money they have during this financial crisis? Well, joining us is America's Wealth Coach, Deborah Owens. Uh, Deborah, we have been seeing the stock market uh, just... First of all, it, it's dropped down to the levels when President Barack Obama left the White House. And so all those gains uh, during the Trump administration have been wiped out. Uh, I, I tell people, don't even bother opening up your 401k uh, and seeing that number, because what it was on December 31st, uh, and you look up, and you look up, and all of a sudden it's down 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 thousand dollars. Just don't even open it and don't freak out. Well, what I would say is this, uh, Roland, and thanks for having me on again. You know, I love having these conversations with you, specifically around what uh, our community needs to be thinking about in this current environment. 
Now, what I would say is not to not look, but I really want to prepare um, our community for what we're about to go through. Now, I have uh, the, I don't know, the great benefit is how I look, look at it, is having a perspective of what the stock market crash of 1987 was like. I had just started my career at that point. And, and I had a very similar, uh, uh, I have this similar feeling, but that was a financial crisis. And what we're seeing now is a health crisis that is causing a financial crisis. The other thing that is uh, a little different is, you know, in 1987, the number of people had, uh, who had 401ks or defined contribution plans was a lot less. And so now pretty much average, average, you know, average people have a considerable amount of their investments in the stock, with stock market risk exposure. So what I want folks to do is to uh, don't panic, but be prepared. And so what I mean by that is we already we are already seeing a decline very similar to the same decline that happened in 1929 and that is the market as of today is has declined uh about 35% which is significant and it's significance the 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 real significance of it is how quickly it has happened and so to that end, what I do want to say to our to, to your viewers, to our viewers, is this, is that even with a 50% stocks, 50% bonds or, or guaranteed account, you should, and we're seeing it now, um, you should anticipate that your investments, the value can de decline by more than 30%. Now, in addition to that, if you have a, a sort of aggressive portfolio where you have, you know, 70 to 80% of your investments in stocks, you could, based on historical performance, anticipate seeing that your, your portfolio decline by more than 60%. So, the key to this is really recognizing what is the worst case scenario. And that's the conversation that I've been having in, in the Wealthy You Facebook community around, uh, yes, for people who are younger, they will have time to ride this out and just like in 2008, recover. However, for many in our community, who are now depending on their 401ks for because they don't have a pension and let's say they're five to 10 years away from retirement, then it makes sense to reduce your exposure in stocks. Now, why do I say that? I say this because there still is so much uncertainty. I have listened to every one of your guests on this show this evening and I think you would agree that the, you know, coming out of each of, or if we just uh, look at your last guest, the uncertainty that this virus, coronavirus virus, 
has uh, created is the one thing that financial markets don't like, and that is not knowing when this is going to be over. Well, and again, that, I mean, that's, that, 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 is, that, is all, that is always the case. And what we have to also now deal with in terms of Congress is now dealing with this, uh, with, with this package they're trying to put together. Uh, different from your perspective, what should this financial package that Congress is looking to pass, what, what should it look like? What should it include? Uh, you know, we're hearing that if you uh, are an income-earning person from 75000 to 99000 uh, you actually are able to get money. But if you're actually poor... You're actually getting less, something like $600 as opposed to $1,200, which is sort of idiotic. It is idiotic, but it's exactly how this system is set up. And it's set up so that the people with the least get the least, right? I mean, that's basically how they structured the, these payouts. But so I would say um, certainly we can call our government representative, but you know me, Roland. I'm, I'm the old... Uh, do it yourself, save yourself. So here's a couple of things I want to tell people and in this environment, this economic environment that we're in. First of all, look at your essentials. Okay, so you know the basic things that all of us need are are clothing, and most of us have far too much of that, shelter and food. So in this environment, focus on the essentials and make sure that you begin to uh, uh, look at your expenses from that lens. So what I mean is that uh, if you know that, you know, we just heard companies like Marriott, you know, people are on furloughs. If you get any inkling that your income could be reduced, then you need to make sure that you're already uh, paring down. And that's one of the other tips on here is to begin to look at your uh, expenses right now, pull out your bank account or your recurring subscription, anything that is a want and not a need. The time to cut is now, not after the fact. The other thing that I want, want and I mentioned it a little early, earlier, is really take a look at your investments and how much stock exposure you have. I don't think many people, certainly, you know, I hear all these, you know, new financial bloggers, all these people kind of spouting off, you know, <laughs> us time to invest in that sort of thing. Not for everybody. Okay, so if you are young, you have the advantage of, of time to recover. I don't think we... Many people have experienced the kind of long-term economic recovery that we could find ourselves in. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I have the benefit of age. <laughs> and because of that, I, you know, I know recessions, I know bubbles, I know stock market crashes, and we have to prepare ourselves for this being, because of all the uncertainty, for it taking some time to have some economic recovery. So that's the, the look at how much you're exposed to stock. And you need to, if you cannot afford to, if you don't have five to 10 years to recover, then you've got to reduce your exposure. Are there some opportunities in, in this market? Certainly there, there is, because if you look at the stocks, 
that have done well and that are still doing well, they are what what are now being called stay-at-home stocks, right? So they're your Zooms of the, the world where you're able to do teleconferencing. They are, you know, you see there's great demand for grocery stores. So the grocery uh, uh, stores are doing phenomenally well, uh, provided that the supply chain and all of that holds up. So there are some bright spots. I just want to make sure that realistically that our folks are prepared to hunker down and at the same time, be creative. Be creative. Now, you know, Roland, I do not espouse fear, but I am a realist, right? And so I think we all need to be thinking about in this new environment that we find ourselves in, where many of us are working at home. Now, I am a small business owner, so most of my work is either done on site with clients or from my home office anyway. So I'm sort of ahead of the game, but one of the things that I've had to do, even with my business, is now companies are asking me to do webinars virtually because many of their uh, employees are feeling financially anxious. So now I'm simply that what that uh, workshop that I would have delivered in person, I'm now doing online. So if that is true, then. What are some of the companies that are going to uh, change the way they do business that now perhaps I can be employed by? I want you to be online looking for opportunities right now. Who are the companies that are hiring? Uh, you know, we heard that Amazon is hiring more. Uh, I forget the, you know, so go uh, online, do your research, do your research now. Yeah, 7-11 announced uh, they're going to be hiring 20,000 people because of increased demand at their convenience stores. Yes. So what I'm saying is let's not be reactive, let's be proactive, and let's start looking. I think it was Wayne Gretzky that said, you know, he looks at where the puck is going to go not where, you know, not where it is. And I think that if we're going to survive and be resilient and weather this economic storm, we have to be creative. All right. Deborah Owens, we certainly appreciate it. If folks with more information, where do they go? Yeah, I tell folks if they want to learn about more tips, they can uh, find us on Facebook, the Wealthy You Community. All they have to do is go in, search for the Wealthy You Community, and we are having these conversations every day. Uh, and, of course, folks, uh, we certainly want to thank the folks that asked me for the, being the sponsor of our American Worker segment and supporting Roland Bart Unfiltered. Deborah, thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Roland. All right, folks, COVID-19 has claimed the life of an NBC employee, Larry Edgeworth. Uh, here was Chuck Todd making the announcement on air. We've now lost a member of the NBC News family to the coronavirus pandemic. Larry Edgeworth, a veteran audio technician, a beloved colleague, he died yesterday after testing positive for the virus. Those of us who did know him and worked with Larry remember him as a gentle giant, kind, talented, and dedicated professional who made us all better. His loss is a reminder that this crisis is personal for so many of us, that behind the daily numbers are stories of struggle and hardship and loss. We truly are all, uh, are all in this together. And if we remember that, we will get through this together. So we send our condolences to Larry's family, his wife, Crystal, and their two sons. And we hold them in our hearts. Uh, again, it's one of those things where I keep trying to tell people this whole notion that somehow black folks don't get it. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, um, Mustafa, you asked the doctor that question about folks talking about it, garlic and whatever. People need to, all them old ass remedies, they need to stop.
Yeah, this is real. <laughs> this is real, and we need to listen to science, and, and we need to make sure that we're doing what's necessary to protect ourselves and protect our communities. It was interesting when I was driving over to the show today, you know, it's a nice day outside, and I was driving by the basketball court, and I saw like 50 guys out there playing basketball on the court, and I was just thinking, one, do they have the information? Do they really know what's going on? Do they know how serious it is and why this whole social distancing thing is important? Not just generally, but just, just for you inside of your own family, protecting your mother and your grandmother and, and the other elders who are in your community. And now we also know that the virus is actually impacting much younger and younger people. So I just hope we get it together and, and, and do what we have to do to help to protect our community. I also, what I hope is, I wish these people, especially these uh, crazy right-wingers, would stop this whole nonsense in trying to compare coronavirus to uh, auto accidents. I mean, here was this idiotic question today uh, at the White House. Check this out. Mr. President, to follow up on that, um, there are millions of people out there that share that view that say, I don't really need to shut things down. I don't really need to stay away from stores. I don't, I can go to the beach. And those people making multiple actions exponentially, it's the difference between life and death. Yeah, I agree it? with that. But I think I'd like to have Anthony answer that because to be honest that's what he does and he uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of very talented people telling us what they think we should do thank you mr president I, well, I, first of all i think that's a false equivalency to, to to compare traffic accidents with i mean that's totally way out that's really a false equivalency when you have something that is new and it's emerging and you really can't predict totally the impact it's going to have and you take a look at what's going on in China and you see what's going on right now, right now in Italy and what's happening in New York City. I don't think with any moral conscience you could say, why don't we just let it rip and happen and let X percent of the people die? I don't understand that reasoning at all. Okay, so. Again, you, you, you're hearing this whole nonsense that, and it's just people, they, just, they, they say this stuff. Uh, I do have to play this here. Uh, you know, th there was this point in, in today's news conference where you just heard, where Donald Trump just being idiotic and dumb, uh, and then he made this comment about the uh, deep state department. Uh, just watch Fauci. Just watch his response. What I'd like to do, I'd like him to go back to the State Department, or as they call it, the Deep State Department, if you don't mind. I'd like to have him go back and uh, do his job. So does anybody have any question? Please. Mr. Secretary, can I I'd like to do, I'd like him to go... Mustafa, we're not supposed to touch our face. Fauci's like, why in the hell am I standing next to this fool? <laughs> I mean, you know, Dr. Fauci's been doing this for decades and decades and decades and, for, and knows what he's talking about. And to have to stand up there when you have a president who has no idea what science is or, or how it plays a role in a proper administration's decision-making, you know, he deserves to win an Academy Award uh, for being able to stand there uh, and have to deal with this foolishness. He was experiencing that secondhand embarrassment yeah. right? like, because standing there you kind of look like you're co-signing the nonsense even though that's your job to stand there mm -hmm. and I will give him credit every time he goes to the podium he is saying something that makes sense but this is this is the nonsense of this administration and I think as much as we may joke this is going to cost 
plenty of people their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just from this disease, but all the residual effects. How many people are going to be unemployed? How many people are going to lose their homes, etc.? So this guy is a danger. And Mike Pompeo is also an absolutely odious human being, I must say. So the two of them together are going to wreak havoc on this country in very real ways. Um, again, you're just watching clueless people. <laughs> it, it's clueless. All right, folks, uh, as I said earlier, uh, when I was driving into work, I was sitting here getting my jam on. So my man, D-Nice, DJ D-Nice, mm -hmm. a couple days ago, did a straight nine-hour DJ jam session. Mm -hmm. uh, he did nine hours, y'all. Uh, and so uh, he's actually spinning live right now uh, on uh, on Instagram. To the split screen. So the problem, so the problem is, you take guys like D Nice, DJ Thesey, these cats, they can't DJ, and so we can't go to parties, we can't do anything, and so we saw earlier this week John Legend uh, and all the different artists start doing these concerts from home, and so uh, I've been talking to D Nice and Kenny Burns about doing uh, a, a, a virtual block party. And so when he did this earlier, I was like, okay, we gotta figure this thing out. And so I think we figured out how we can have a hundred different people tying in at the same time on the video stream. Look, people need it in times like this. I mean, I appreciate all their efforts because DJs, artists, everybody's sort of pitching in and doing what they can to raise people's spirits because some of us are home alone. Some of us can't go and get in touch with other people. And it is nice to have something like this set because music, I think, connects so many people and it's always there, even when nothing else is there. Mm -hmm. It's music. I mean, we don't know how long this internet thing is going to last, <laughs> but while it's here, we can at least enjoy right. the music. Right, right.
Well, absolutely. And so uh, that's why we're sitting here uh, jam with D-Nice. And here's the, here's the deal, Mustafa. We're going to need more of this. And so I mean, so one thing we're talking about is, is like if we do this, if we do this virtual do this virtual block party, and if we're able to pull in these different video streams, we can have, because he normally does his parties with Kenny Burns. And so... <laughs> you said your name. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny was on earlier. Uh, and so we can be able to pull in all these different streams of people who are dancing in different, par different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Uh, our culture is amazing. The way that it helps to soothe the soul, uh, bring folks together, Mat bring joy and happiness. Matter of fact, you, <laughs> you say this. I, yeah, like, I got to play this. Somebody sent me this. Okay, first of all, I got to remember who the hell sent me this video. Uh, you talk about had me absolutely dying laughing. Um, so this brother took a... Oh, here it is. Is this it? Uh, Monty Bell. This brother took... Hold on. Turn it up. All right, come back. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to pull this video up. I'm gonna tell you how I'm gonna tell you how creative uh, black folks really get. So this brother did this, uh, and if I could pull it up, y'all. When I talk about, uh, I holler laughing because it was it was so ridiculous. Um, this brother did this video. So he took this song, he took this song, um, and then he remixed it t for coronavirus. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a, um, okay, DJ Feezy, he's about to go live. Uh, and I'm trying to see if I can, if I can find this video. Oh my, first of all, it was just, it was just ignorant. It was just ignorant. Okay, here it is. I think I found it. Uh, all right, Anthony, hold up. Let me, let me go, let me watch on IGTV. Let me see if I can turn it this way. <laughs>
So uh, this just in, uh, a staff member of Vice President Mike Pence's office has tested positive for coronavirus. Mm. Uh, their statement, they Peter Baker of the New York Times, they released it saying that person didn't have contact with Pence or Trump. Mm. We don't believe nothing they say. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, folks, if you want to support what we do, go to rollermarkdownfilter.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, you can support us via Cash App, PayPal, or Square. Every dollar you give goes to support this show to make it possible for us to keep giving you the kind of information you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, please be sure to go back and watch all the shows we've had this week. We have some amazing guests, uh, guests you're not going to see anywhere else. I certainly want to thank uh, retired General Lloyd Austin for being with us today. We have retired General Kip Ward, another four-star, uh, who was with us on Wednesday as well. And so giving that perspective in terms of the military, we want to thank, of course, Mustafa and Dr. Carter as well for being with us today. And so, folks, and we always end the show on Friday, showing you, of course, all the people uh, who support what we do. Don't forget uh, this weekend. So we all can try working on this virtual block party. And so look for our update. Uh, and then my wife was supposed to give a sermon on Sunday at a church in Maryland. Obviously, they're not having services. So we're going to actually live stream the sermon uh, on our platform. That's going to be on Sunday. And so that's what we're going to do. And then on Monday, I wanted to do it today, but we, we were so caught up with some other different things, like other different things. So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually bring in all different gadgets. And so all you churches out there, especially a lot of small black churches are trying to figure out how they reach their members. We're going to show them different ways on how they can actually live stream as cost effective. It's not going to cost them a whole bunch of money. So it's going to take place uh, next week. So I'll see you guys on Monday. Stay safe. Wash those hands. Follow what the doctor said. Uh, and please Please, please don't congregate in groups. Uh, it's okay. Learn how to FaceTime. Learn how to use Google, Google Duo. As a matter of fact, that's important. If you have an Android phone and somebody has an iPhone and you can't, obviously with FaceTime, it's only Apple to Apple, download Google Duo. Google Duo essentially serves the same thing. It allows for you to do a video conference free. It's, it's an app between an Android and an iPhone and vice versa. So if you've got an iPhone and you know somebody who has an Android, get Google Duo. Both of you must download the app. It allows for you to be able to have uh, a, uh, a, a video conversation uh, between both individuals. And so we'll also have uh, Mario Armstrong all on the show next week, uh, Tech Bureau giving you some great information on how, with social distancing, how we can stay in contact with folks by utilizing technology. And so we're going to have all that for you as well. All right, y'all have an absolute good one. I got to go. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.